Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and a very, very warm welcome back from hiatus to 90 Day Fiance, your fourth, fifth, well, we've probably slid a little now, eighth, ninth, or tenth favorite reality TV recap podcast. My name is Michelle, and joining me today is the Sister Wives Professor himself. It's Dr. Adam. Welcome. Hello, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I could not be more excited. I'm a huge fan of your work. So is Robin. So is everybody at the Blighty Day family. I know you've done um, uh, some collabs already with Ace and Caitlin and with uh, Amy and Amanda. Now, Amanda is uh, our... uh, Professor Emeritus of Sister Wifery. So she usually, <laughs> usually, uh, um, yeah, covers Sister Wives with me. Um, how have you found these choppy podcasting waters? It's been, it, <laughs> hmm, it's been great. It's been, like over, I, I want to say it has been a little bit overwhelming in a good way. I, the Sister Wives fandom, as you know, and reality TV fandoms in general, but Sister Wives especially, the fandom is very passionate. They're very intelligent. They know way more about the show than I did, and I thought I knew everything. And so it's been such a relief and such a joy to be accepted by fellow podcasters such as yourselves, who who I listen to and who I admire, but especially just the people willing to try something a little bit different because there are so many, so many really, really excellent reality TV podcasters out there creating amazing content. And so for people to make space for me was very kind and really exciting. I'm not big on attention. I want attention until I get it. And then I go, (laughs) oh, oh, this, uh, this is weird. 
not, <laughs> not bad. And I'm not complaining, but I've been learning to adjust to it. And the, 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 the my point is the kindness of everyone has been so appreciated. I think it's a, I think the people who cover reality TV in general are uh, so community minded, which is really interesting because the, the stuff that we cover isn't necessarily. Um, and I know, you know, our limited experience with Sister Wives, because I, I actually didn't start watching, I've gone back to the beginning, but I didn't actually start watching until season 16 or 17. Right on. Um, I'm not sure what moved the needle for me where I felt like I had to kind of start at that point. I know what put me off the show in the beginning because I've always been aware of it. And also it started around the time, I think I had already been in London for two years by the time that it started and the um it's very different now but it was pre-streaming and so we were very limited in in what american shows we got particularly reality shows right uh and i just didn't want to watch i i was a nanny all through doing my undergraduate and my uh postgraduate law degree and i didn't want to watch anything with kids in it yeah because yeah. I, I didn't, so what what was, so it was nice. Um, it's not that I don't love children because I do, and I've especially come to love these children. Uh, but at the time, I just sort of thought like, oh, I really don't want to see this nice family, perfect family kind of sell their way of life that I fundamentally don't agree with. Um, and you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong about the whole premise of the show. But what what was your kind of lead into it? How did you discover it? Well, I think like every man of a certain age, I got really into sister wives. It just happened. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, every guy hits a certain age and goes, you know, no, Um, it's funny. I was... <laughs> I can't help myself. I was working on my master's degree and I was living this, Michelle, I was living this kind of weird, like self-imposed monk-like existence. I've never talked about this on a podcast. I like, I quit all alcohol. I quit caffeine. I went like, like I didn't, I didn't like call myself vegan, but like I did a vegan diet. I, I shaved my head. I, I had some personal tragedies that I won't get into in terms of losing, mm. losing a friend very early on in his life and that was kind of my way of coming to terms with it and so i was in this master's degree and as you know you know even if you are partnered with somebody doing especially a postgraduate degree doing any kind of degree but a postgraduate degree especially can be very isolating because you're so yeah. like immersed in this stuff and it's so high stakes and so i spent a lot of time in my apartment grading papers writing my thesis doing whatever and watching whatever reality tv was on netflix and i wanted something light so i binged like 15 seasons of cake boss <laughs> no for real i i had a system where i would write three pages of my thesis and then to reward myself i would watch one episode of cake boss this is this is in like my acknowledgments of my master's thesis it's like also thanks to cake boss but <laughs> incredible. yeah how did i stay single it's a mystery and so <laughs> i did that and you know, do you want to come over, have no fun, and walk, watch Cake Boss? 
How does Adam not have a girlfriend? No. So, and then I ran out of Cake Boss, and then the Netflix algorithm kicked out Sister Wives. And I was kind of like you. I was like, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to watch this gross dude, like, not appreciate three women. And just, I didn't, but I really just kind of, it's like, well, it's that or no TV, and no TV can't happen. So let me try this. And so I just was like, this was 2011. So it was, I think they were only streaming the first season, maybe season two. And I just was, I loved the big house. And I thought that Mm -hmm. would be like the entire show in perpetuity, by the way, of like, how do we navigate the big house? How do we bring in Rabine and all that stuff into the big house? And I just, I loved it. I thought, wow, this is really cool. I liked that the wives were not shrinking violets, doing whatever this awful man told them to do. They were only doing part of what this awful man told them to do. So that was refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) They were only doing what they had to do to, um, you know, to gain favor from. (laughs) I often think of, I like to think of Cody in the context of, I'm a huge, huge folklore fan and i'm i'm really into ghosts and aliens and all that stuff but i the one through line with all the work that i've done and i've like you i've done every job (laughs) under the sun like i (laughs) i'm always blown away by the fact that i'll i'll make sort of like a hospitality related joke and my husband won't get it at all because yeah. he's had a very, you know, he went, he basically went from university right into journalism and then right into TV production. And sure. some, but he never worked in hospitality. And I'm like, I'm always like, what? You, you've never waited. You've never like been a bar back or waited tables or anything, but like that experience is so singular and so unique. I think whatever, like obviously it's different when you're operating at a different level and doing five-star dining and stuff, but the, the sort of the grunt work is, is the same everywhere. Right. Um, yeah. Sorry. I, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh yeah. I think of, <laughs> a lot of times I think that this, story if you look about if you look at it through the lens of like shared mythology and old folklore this really is probably closer to bluebeard's castle than than anything else if you want to look at at robine through a sympathetic lens you can think this is a guy who promised her everything provided that she not go into this one room um and boy did she go into that room it's such a monkey's paw isn't it of (laughs) fame and fortune and everyone knows for cody too like everyone loves me or or, well everyone knows me but nobody loves me you know yeah i'm one of not one of the most famous people on the planet, but come on, certainly more famous than the vast majority of people will be. And for what? He's the most publicly divorced man on the planet right now. <laughs> I I I'm not it. even we- trying to be funny. It just, it is, it is, it is funny, but it's, it's like, it just is what it is. It's like, I, I've mentioned this on other podcasts. Like, can you imagine psychologically 
knowing people create entire Etsy shops to celebrate you being divorced. Pretty wild. Yeah, no. I mean, I've been divorced and I think uh those are there are times there were times when I was scraping myself off the floor spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, course, yeah. physically even, you know, and um my ex-husband was a, was an addict and an alcoholic and struggled with all of that and it's it's a nightmare and i think if somebody made an etsy shop about the things i said and did and felt <laughs> during that time i it would take me a very long time to laugh at it yeah. or find it yeah. at all entertaining yeah uh Speaking of which, and creating shops around quotes, I thought it would be a fun warm-up game to play. I know you're a fan of The yes. Office, as am I, as are many of our listeners. And I'm I'm with you in that. that that's my comfort show, too, and always yes. has been. I remember when I had, like, a video iPod that was the only show that I put on it and I would I would fall asleep to those episodes and even you know living in shared housing and everything it was such an escape so I will be very curious to know I've got it up now I'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) and I did so excited yes I did I did warn you so um Amanda got some of these wrong and you know, she's she's our professor emeritus of Sister Whiffery. So, yeah. uh, you know, don't feel too bad. If well, I'm not going to insult her because I can't take that kind of hurt So that she'll bring down. So no comment. <laughs> okay. Um, easy one first. This is not the America I learned about in high school. What are my options? It's, it's Sister Wives or The Office? Yeah. That is Robine. Yes, it is. <laughs> I did. I thought I would nail this. I'm already second guessing myself. I'm like, I'm are like, you I, really? Because I, I, the pressure, the pressure is on. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, no, I can do this. Okay, okay, come on. I've talked in front of thousands of people. I can do this. Okay. <clears throat> Sometimes I, I can add a little timer if you want to make you feel even more. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> great. Sure, we can. What I need in my life, Michelle, is more anxiety. <laughs> that's what my therapist tells me. You need to be more stressed. Sometimes the clothes at Gap Kids are too flashy, so I'm forced to go to the American Girl store and order clothes for large colonial dolls. That is Miss Angela from the office. Yes, it is. I could get through it without laughing. Okay. Uh, All he ever wants from me anymore are Rice Krispies. That is my wife. No, um, not only. That that is right. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm I'm actually crying. Okay. Uh that is Robine. Or no, that is that's from Sister Wives. It's got yes. That, it's was Mary. Mary? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that was Mary. Obviously. I don't. I don't have the person that it's. Okay. And bear in mind, I've had to pick ones. These might not be y'all's favorite office or sister wives quotes, but it's very difficult to find one without someone else's name in it. 
Um, Real quick, can I tell you that scene where she before she reveals that it's a Rice Krispie turkey? And she's like, I, I know you said not to make a turkey, but I did. The look on Robine's face, I about threw up from secondhand social anxiety. <laughs> It was so, I was like, I can't, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like, it's, it felt like the, it felt like it was like Scott's tots, but in real life, like, I can't do this. Did you really, did you really make a turkey? Like, please, know, Mary, you're so close to your margarita hot girl summer redemption arc. Don't screw it up yet. <laughs> and then she brought out like the most adorable, you know, turkey with the candy falling out the ass that I've ever seen. But, you know, it was just. When I thought it was a real turkey, I was like, I'm like sweating. Like I'm, I was so stressed. Yeah, that was as 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 an empath. Uh, yeah. That was really difficult to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it. I just don't like it at all, and it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep sounding like now? That sounds like my son. It sounds like you're just quoting my family. Uh, that is. Uh, <laughs> That's my quick. son too. <laughs> Yeah, my my three year old he he had to drink he had to drink some Pedialyte because he wasn't feeling well the other day and he sets down the cup and he looks at he looks at my wife he goes yeah I'm gonna take a pause on this <laughs> which is fantastic that one is from the office yes it is well spotted Michael Scott um, I, I think I think yes it is. I'm not a poo-poo head. <laughs> Can we just do this every week? Can this be all we ever yes, do? Yes. Yeah, do absolutely. Anymore. I just want to do this. Like, forget it. Um, <laughs> oh, that is. The- <laughs> That's Cody. That's Cody Brown. That's Cody Brown. Yes, it is. Mm. Um. Mm. That's the pink elephant in the room. <laughs> oh God, I don't. I feel like it could be both. Oh, oh no, oh no! Come on, man, you've been training for this half your life. Come on. Um, <laughs> oh, mother of pearl. Oh, Jiminy H. Cricket. What? Ah. Uh... <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, that's been said on both. I know it hasn't, but I swear to God, that's been said on both shows. Uh, sister wives? Yes, very oh. good. <laughs> well done. Whew. Okay. Whew. Uh, Let me get a candy bar after this. <laughs> I know. I'll Give myself look, a little with, treat. Yeah. Uh, my philosophy is basically this. And this is something I live by and always have and, I, and always will. Don't ever, for any reason, do anything to anyone for any reason, no matter what, no matter where or who or who you're with or, or where you're going or where you've been ever for any reason whatsoever. Now you're just quoting my dissertation. That's very rude. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you found it, and I'm not mad, but I'm a little bit disappointed. I that that's got to be The Office. It is. Oh, yes. Okay. I had no idea. It's oh man, because that sounded like Robine. <laughs> uh, like, I'm sure she said words to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So three more to go. Oh God. Okay. For my money, these are the most difficult. 
Let's talk about where we are, not what I said. Oh, that mother... That's Cody. Okay. So <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> those of you on my Patreon, I it's, it's, it's paywalled, but I did do an in-depth analysis of the... Whatever. I can't remember if it was the talk back or the look back. I apologize, everybody. But... Some people are, have said to me sometimes, like, Dr. Adam, we want you to be a little looser and be more. You want to hear me just lose my mind? <laughs> I just ranted and raved about what just gaslighting manosphere of like, like, <laughs> like feeling erasure garbage that is, especially as a communication person, like what you what you speak becomes reality. Like you speak relational truths into reality. You know what I mean? It's like. Oh, that just, I'm going to get two candy bars now. Okay, let's, let's move on. <laughs> you can get a whatchamacallit. And I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> that is the office. Yes, it is. That's such a good one. Uh, final two. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. This is the last one. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> All right. I'll throw in a gimme because I just love this, this quote. This is a goat rodeo of epic proportions. <laughs> that was some sister wives. If I'm not yes, mistaken. it was. Oh, my gosh. So am I the, did I beat Amanda? Am I the champion? Yeah. You've, you've gotten every single one right. Oh, Amanda, if you're listening to this. Sorry, Amanda. I'm sorry. I, you are still, you are the queen. I am, I can, I could never approach. And finally, it's not about being the favorite. It's about gaining favor. All right. I might've gotten cocky too soon. Um, <laughs> hoisted by my own petard. Uh, let me think. Uh, Sister wives? You are absolutely right. And that was the hardest question. That was hard. Because that, that could was... so easily be... I mean, technically, as I explained to you yesterday, the game I played with Amanda was Cody Brown or Michael Scott. Yeah. Um, you made it easier on me, to be fair to her. I it... did. I did a little bit, you know. But that's my internalized misogyny. Yeah. Coming out. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, I put my put my my big boy panties on for a reason, so it's it's okay. So, congratulations. Thank you, you have won the game. Very exciting. Yeah, um I was, was so fun. <laughs> I'm so glad. I was toying with another game and I was talking to my husband Robin about this. Um though I appreciate you using Robin's proper name. Yeah. Um, Doesn't everyone call her that? I thought that was the proper pronunciation. Or, well, yes. Yeah. If you're Robin with a with a Y, you're Robine. Yeah. Um, She's been Robine the, the rest of that family for years. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the game, and this sure. one I don't have fully fleshed out yet. So I'm interested okay. in what listeners think and what you might think. So we used to play games, um, you know, in high school and, and college, these sort of like icebreaker getting to know you things where, you know. Yeah, what kind of terrible teacher would make someone do 
<laughs> right? I'm pulling on my collar, y'all can't see. Um, uh, actually, my favorite, uh, my favorite one of those was a game um, that is derived from a British TV series that I think was called Room 101 or Room 1, something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You put something that you actually viscerally hate into the box. And especially, it works particularly well if you're in a small tutorial group because you go, I'm putting in spiders. This next person is putting in spiders and dust. It's that kind of thing. This is nothing like that game. <laughs> this is more like, like what never... are you going to have me do? Because <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm 100% one... up for it. I just am curious. Well, maybe we can find the answer together because I like the two answers being just sitting here or figuring stuff out. So my first thought would be, you know, uh, like, have you ever kissed two different people in the same night? Just sitting here is the no. Uh, figuring things out is is the yes. And I thought that, oh, that doesn't quite work out. Could it be areas of interest or like, you know, potential social minefields? So do you know what I mean? Because it could be like, um, like international politics, just sitting here as in I know nothing about it and wouldn't try to enter a discussion or figuring things out. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I talk about that regularly. I think about that regularly. And I make a but I don't know if, if I have like expertise, you could refer to that as doing the minuses and the pluses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you go. Or the, I'm the go-to gal, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't really know where I am with that game, but I do I do like it as I a I love it. Can I double back to something you said earlier that I really wanted to touch upon, which was Yes, absolutely. Your, you meant you alluded to an interest in the paranormal. Do you watch ghost hunting shows? Um I used to, uh, not with any great fervor. I'm I'm not going to name any names, but there are certain uh, people who have found prominence in that community whose methods I don't respect at all. And are you referring to to Zach Bagans? I might be. I might okay. be because yeah. I. Okay, so this is weird. <laughs> I bring this up because in my head, I was pit because this is what I do for fun. I was pitching in my head a crossover because I'm convinced that Lizzie's Heritage Inn is like hella haunted. And yes. I'm just picturing the ghost adventures like dude bro graphic tea crew just rolling in like here at this polygamist inn. I'm Zach Bacon because that's how he talks. Yeah. <laughs> I never believed in ghosts until I went to this creepy polygamous house and like mary's just like wine hammered on the couch like what what <laughs> there's like wine drunk ex polygamous bro not good <laughs> it's just all i'm it just come on like somebody call me you want money i'm, I'm a license to print money i i'm a bad idea machine what can i say can you imagine at lizzie's heritage inn <laughs> 
the energy. (laughs) Abraham, you in here? You want to get married? Why don't you marry my fist, bro? Come at me, ghost. That's what I. That's what I don't understand. Take away my rights, bro. You want? You know who's not going to keep sweet? Me. Come at me. You know, keep sweet, keep dead, bro. Leave him alone. Yeah, that's not a that's not a attack I particularly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I promise you, we have we have not. If anything, it's the opposite. We've brought in a new fold. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know if you know this about me, but I during the pandemic, I had a job as a uh, tarot card reader and like a telephone psychic. That's amazing. Um, I. Now, I don't think I have any particular gift. Um, I'm not the kind of autistic that can, like, you know, recite random dates and tell you what baseball game was lost or won on that day and, and who all was involved. I can't do math to save my life. I, I'm not that kind of autistic. But I think because I learned everything from about people and about communication from watching tv from um i mean certainly that was my biggest influence because i spent a lot of time alone yeah Yeah. but from kind of having to have that laser focus on how other people communicated and reacted i think I, i i do have a talent for it and i don't i don't not believe in psychics i just or ghosts or anything like that but i think it's a i think it's a skill that you develop just like anything else and i do yeah. think that anyone can do it and yeah. i'm i'm proof positive i don't know if you like, feel this way i've always described being on the spectrum as like i went from a long period of my life thinking i didn't understand people until i realized i actually understand other people better than almost anyone it's just people don't understand me and yeah. I don't know how to get them to. It's like, I understand you maybe better than you do, but I can't figure out how to get you to understand me. And I, I so appreciate what you said about like, you know, being on the spectrum and like, I can't do math in my head. I can't memorize things like I'm the kind of spectrum kid that like if they change the graphics on like the Pop-Tarts box, I get really upset for a month <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Like, it's not fun, folks. It's not. It's It's got its benefits, but it's like. I'm not, yeah, I'm not the super powery kind, but I do, to your point, I guess that's not true. I do feel like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it, I came by it naturally or to your, your point, if I felt like so much pressure to develop that skill that wasn't necessarily all that deficient to begin with, I sort of overextended my ability to read people, which is part of what I do on the Ooh, podcast, right? Is I just for a moment. I've had people ask me, like, how do you know how to do this? And I go, well, it's like anything else. I've just studied and practice. I don't come by this like natural gift of reading people. I've just, I pay a lot of attention and I've contextualized over years and years and years because I felt like I had to, to catch up when I, I kind of didn't. It's kind of weird. No, I, I, I completely understand. Um, and I think in a weird way, Hang on, I'm just going to adjust my level there. Um, I think in a weird way, that's what drew me to reality TV is it it 
it actually has helped me so much in understanding um, responses to trauma and also uh for for those of you in the know, you know that I've been in um, treatment for trauma for for some time, and I was recently doing like an outpatient program, and it was really fascinating. And I thought of you a lot, Doctor Adam, because I I learned that um, so many so many interesting things. But you've heard of. Like the body keeps score is something that was designed for for professionals, for therapists to read. It's it's not for people who um are traumatized because, you know, it's it's pretty diffuse and kind of overwhelming. But just how just the massive impact that trauma has in how we communicate with people and how we interface with others and how we process conflict. And so for example, you can see in each of the sister wives, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be like diagnosing people or doing name that trauma. I understand, but, but you can you can infer based upon your own experience. I think. That's yeah, valid. yeah. So like for Rabine, she sorry, immediately. Sorry. It gets me every time. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. For Rabine, um, so there's. And look, I am no expert other than that, other than through my lived experience and and what I've learned in in trauma cult, as I affectionately call it. Um, But we have these trauma responses that if we don't kind of resolve the trauma and process it properly, we go to these places our entire life. Right. Now, you've heard fight, flight, freeze. Maybe you've heard of appease. Now, interestingly enough, uh, and I'm sure there's another one I'm forgetting, but part of appease, a little subsection of it, is obey. Mm. And so, uh, oh, sorry, the other the one the other one I'm missing is cry for help. So, Robine's experience. Uh, whenever she gets triggered, is she goes straight to cry for help every time. Correct. She can't remove herself from the situation, especially when it has nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. Um, no one else is allowed to have a bigger emotion than she does. No one's emotions are more important than hers. Right. Um, she cannot abide. <clears throat> she cannot abide. And I don't, necessarily say this judgmentally but just in an, as an evaluative she cannot abide guilt and responsibility for other people that's pain. right yeah it's just and to be fair and this is what my podcast is like folks and this is what i do to be fair that is so hard i have a visceral physiological negative reaction to knowing i upset someone whether it's my kids or my spouse or just if i don't do the right thing in traffic like i and so there's this oftentimes natural to some, and everybody has this to some degree, the desire to do mental gymnastics to wave away your culpability in other people's pain. And Robin is, I'm so sorry, Robin is such a clear, not Robin, <laughs> I'm sure he's not, but Robin is such a clear example of somebody that cannot live with guilt for other people's pain. You see it with, from 
early season one with the wedding. I picked the dress moment where she goes, well, I didn't want you to know that. It's actually really hard for me that you found out about that. Ugh, hard for me. And I've talked about this and you could say, and I would completely accept it if she had said, look, it was not my intention to hurt you. It was not my intention. Right. Like that sucks. And I'm sorry that, that, that you got hurt in this process. It just, that was not my intention. It is still kind of not a great apology, but it's something. You know what I mean? But that, like, that doesn't even happen. Right. And I, I think for Janelle, and I agree with you that Janelle and Christine are the head and the heart of, of the family, yeah. respectively. I think Janelle goes to shame, which is my go-to trauma response. Yeah, me too. Um, and it's so deeply, and Janelle and I are very, 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 very different. But I think it's so deeply ingrained that she doesn't even, she's not consciously aware that that's what she's doing. Yeah. But she she compartmentalizes her her own pain and her own experience so that other people uh, don't have to feel bad. Right. And, and, and Cody knows this, whether he knows this kind of on a, on a conscious level or not, I don't know, but he always, he knows that he can manipulate Janelle by shaming her. He yeah. knows that's where, it, which is why the first thing he goes to is criticizing her parenting. Right. That's going for the jugular, right? Because yeah. that's, oh, that's an area. The worst thing you can do to a parent, to, to, oh, to, a, par absolutely. to a partner, to your partner who you parent with to tear down. It's just no, no business. Like, you know, you can address, to be fair, you can address those things constructively when you need to. But I'm talking about when your kitchen's thinking in a fight and you're just looking for something to hurt somebody. There's a difference yeah. between bringing up like, hey, you need, I need you as my partner to adjust your parenting in this way. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, just ad hominem attacking. And I think to your point, something I recognize in myself and in Janelle is I think Janelle, she never talks about this overtly, but she kind of uses coded language for it when she talks about her body presentation and other things in her life. Yeah, Janelle is very big on Janelle has learned to frame things that I would argue she shouldn't as well. This is what I deserve. This is the most I deserve to get. Yep. And you sort of see yep. that throughout this experience. And so I am interested if and it's a big if and when Janelle partners with someone else in the future. What is that contrast going to be like if and I hope if she does choose to do that and if she does, I hope she finds someone who is really like stoked to be with her is like, wow, you're just this great person. Like, what do you want? What do you want to do? I wonder what her reaction would be to that. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I think she's so, and you know what? I think Mary is responsible for a lot of that conditioning too. That shaming, early shaming. shaming early of, on, yeah. Yep. You're lazy. Yep. Right. Yep. Lazy. She's, that's the other worst thing you can say to her is, um, so yeah, I, I sort of chafe when people say, oh, Janelle doesn't have feelings or only responds to things logically and rationally. Like, no, she just has a different response. Well, yeah. Um, and when you've been told when you do things, you do them wrong, eventually <laughs> you're going to stop doing them because, okay, if I cannot do this right, why? And so whenever there's like a party or, decisions to be made people make fun of janelle oh janelle can't just get in there and do things it's because janelle used to and by mary and i'm sure other people was like no that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong and yeah get to a point where you go all right fine I, I, then i'm not gonna try because why bother 
And that's why if there's any parenting advice that I feel I I have the authority to dispense, it's this. If your kid, if you ask your kid to do something, particularly if it's a household chore, don't like withhold your criticism, show praise the effort rather than yeah. the outcome, show them uh, how it can be done differently rather than saying, no, that's wrong. That's terrible. Because I think for, and again, I, I have no, you know, real logical basis in saying this is, this is just my experience, but it took me a very long time to, get my stepson to realize that when he hears when criticism from either of us, that it's not you're a bad person who's unworthy of love. Right. And if you've got sensitive kids, you you know that story already. Um, it's really difficult to differentiate those things. Um, and I think for... Mary is a more difficult one for me because I think she and Cody are so similar. Um, Cody, oh, yeah. I think, is oh, yeah. is motivated by shame, but that's not his that's not his immediate response. Um, and when we think about fight or flight, those things don't have to one way of fighting is avoidance, actually, of course, um, and neglect. So I yeah, it's harder for me to pin down what it is for Cody and Mary, because I think they're very much alike. And I, I know that they're sort of go-to is um, is blaming other people, getting angry at other people, um, but first and foremost, denying whatever is happening. Yeah, I think that they are very alike. And I've thought about this a lot recently because I think that Mary, throughout the totality of the kind of as cohesive as the Brown family was like at the height of their cohesion, shall we say, I think Mary, Mary, I think likes control because it makes her feel safe. I think Cody, I think Cody likes control when he needs to feel validated. I think Cody was always willing to give up control of things that didn't interest him or entertain him, or he didn't feel vulnerable, vulnerable about. That's why he liked Janelle is Janelle would kind of pick up some of the slack of things that just didn't. And this isn't a bad thing in a relationship to have somebody that picks up the slack and does the things that you're not good at or aren't, aren't interested in. Like, and I don't think it's a bad thing to have a partner. It can be a good thing to have a partner that does and is interested in doing the aspects of life that like you're not good at or aren't drawn to. As long as there's a balance there, that can be really good. And that's why I think in a lot of ways, Janelle and Cody were maybe the most functional, not the most passionate, but the most functional combination because they were, I don't, I don't do the opposites attract thing, but, but people that compliment, there's, there's a difference between being opposites and being complementary. I guess I would yes. say, because they, they yeah. had certain compatibilities. And I think Janelle was the sort of functional, comparatively intellectual space relationally for him and someone that kind of made this, the, you know, I, I, people have said this and I think it's true. Janelle sometimes maybe gets more credit than what we have unearthed demonstrates in terms of the ability to keep things running, you know, and their finances are what they were, but whatever. But Janelle, at least I think in Cody's mind, kept the machine running so Cody could address the million other things that he was overextended with. All these people, 
all these relationships, none of which really being cultivated to the degree that they should have been because of just the massive amount of demands being put on everybody. And so no, you, contrast, I, you contrast that with Christine, who was just kind of fun, but had to be fun. It's like fun or else. You know what I mean? And we could talk about that yeah. if you want, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Christine is, I think she's different now, but yeah. I I think she was more of a, more of an obey kind of person, you know, um, Probably also living with a lot of shame. Now, what do you think about the marriage to to David Woolley? I I I unfortunately have not uh, clapped eyes on the wedding special, but I'll tell you what I think after you tell me what you think. Oh Lord, um, they got together and got married pretty quick based upon broad societal expectations that's not bad relationships are kind of like gambling if you put it all on black and you win you're a genius if you put it all on black and you lose you're a moron you know it just <laughs> right. it depends on if it works yeah so who knows i like their dynamic that i saw one of the things i liked is that when david speaks to the camera and a talking head with christine next to him he never says, Christine does this and looks at the camera. He always looks right at her and goes, you know what I like about you is this. Mm. He's, he speaks directly to her. David is not very performative. David, you know, he's, he's he kind of talks he kind of talks like this. And he's just kind of a natural, not camera ready kind of guy, which I found refreshing, to be honest. I think that he has filled Christine's bucket in a lot of ways. I say this like seemingly every podcast I go on. So I apologize, folks, for being repetitive if you've heard me but cody brown is someone that loves people in the ways that are easiest and most entertaining for him and christine i think is being loved now in the ways that she needs not just the ways that david finds easiest or most entertaining and i think that's great for her i think she feels really desired i think she feels really good about herself now you have to have more than that to sustain a long-term. You have to have more than that to sustain a long-term partnership. You have to, this is why I don't need to tell you this, but this is why long-term relationships and marriages are hard is it's not about staying the same person you were when you got married or got together. It's about trying to grow in complementary ways. Like, can, can I create the space for you to grow and vice versa where you want to go? And I just say that because that's going to be the test. Can Christine and David do that? Maybe, maybe not. And when you can't do that, that doesn't make people bad people either. You know, sometimes you try your best and it just, you can't grow the way each other needs to. And that just happens. I also think that there's, thank you for that. Because I, I think there's a lot of, divorce is still unfairly stigmatized and, I hate it when people say things like failed marriage, right? right? Um, or framing it in yeah. terms of success or failure, which was, you know, a heavy, heavy part of, of the rhetoric and the talk around the show was, oh, I failed this, I failed that. Like, no, you you had a marriage, you had a family system that worked. Was it what you sold it? as was it the way that that you marketed it absolutely not we know that now but cody 
is somebody like I, I look at, you know, decades long marriages that end in divorce. And I, it doesn't, I mean, it makes me sad because divorce is a difficult thing to go through. But that doesn't mean that you failed. It just means, right. like, I heard a, a, an aphorism recently that men, uh, that women marry men hoping that they'll change, and men marry women hoping they'll never change. Right. Um, and I know that's heteronormative and and everything, but I I think you can apply that to, um. To any relationship, really, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. But I think it's a it's a difficult road to hoe, as it were. My concern for Christine is that I I see a lot of myself in her. In that I and I don't think people recognize this necessarily. Christine is not someone who was ever going to be voluntarily single for a long time, right? Christine needs to be with someone and her understanding of herself yeah. and self-worth is so closely tied to the role that, to how she's relating to other people, right? She's an acts of service person, if you want to use the five love languages kind of term. Yes, absolutely. And I'm an acts of service person also. And a, and a quality time person. So I completely understand that. Like my needs are very similar in a relationship to what hers are. I do wonder um, what benefit she would have gotten from being single for longer. Uh, David Woolley reminds me of... Uh, the husband of someone that I know where I'm just constantly, (laughs) I'm constantly sort of looking at that relationship and going, I, I don't see it. Mm. I don't see it. I don't, I I mean, look, I think they're very hot for each other. I think (laughs) they have a wonderful, uh, intimate life. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I myself am not a Disney sexual or a fairy tale sexual. Like those archetypes don't appeal to me in the, in the slightest. I don't really like stories about um, women who need rescuing and things like that. So that whole dynamic is a bit, I think that's a hard, that's a very high bar to set for a marriage that this person saved me. Um. And I worry that any of the ground that she gained in terms of like growing up emotionally, and again, sorry, I realize I'm really getting into the weeds here, but any ground that she gained from leaving Cody and leaving that family, I'm worried she's going to lose again, but in a different way. Well, now I am too for the very first time. So thank you for that. (laughs) And that's not me being a cynic or a hater, you know? I mean, I I would have supported however she wanted to live her life. I don't really understand why they had to get married as soon as they did. I don't think you're giving a minority opinion here, though, to be (laughs) No, I'm saying this as a compliment uh, to reassure you in any way. I think that, yeah, I mean, you look at that and look, it's not... 
colloquial common wisdom for no reason that it's good to create your own foundation of self after any kind of breakup, but especially one that was like the majority of your, the vast majority of your adult life, if not the totality of your adult life. Because if you go from Christine and Cody to even like Christine and David or, or Cody and Christine to Christine and David, if you, if you follow me, you're still and someone else. And so it's scary and it's weird because I was a serial monogamist for years until I wasn't until I just was like, you know what? I, I was in a situation kind of describing this to you earlier. I was kind of in a situation where I was in sort of self-imposed academic and interpersonal isolation. And I kind of realized, you know, I'm going to have a weird tumultuous, tumultuous. I don't know how to say that word. Tumultuous. Um, yeah. Thank you. I read words. I don't say them. Uh, <laughs> career in front of me. And I don't know if I want to navigate that with a partner, even if I could find one, which I think was was relatively mature of me, especially for the time. And so that sort of broke me out of it. But I do. I You bring up such a good point where, and touch wood, it won't happen. But at some point, statistically speaking, through the dissolution of a relationship or just the passing of a partner, Christine is likely to be on her own at one point. Now, what is that going to be? Who are you going to be at that point? It's not that dissimilar to when your kids are launched and you've got to yeah. think, well, who, are, who am I? Who are we if we're not co-parenting or if I'm not parenting? I've thought about like if I changed careers or something, like this is who I've been for a big chunk of my life. Who am I going to be if I'm not this? You know what I mean? And so yeah. even podcasting, like I haven't been doing it nearly as long as you would, but I'm sure if you, even if you felt it was a healthy thing to not do Blighty Day Fiance anymore, it would be this transition of, I'm not Michelle the podcaster anymore. I'm all these other wonderful, important things, but this one part of who I am is just phantom limb kind of thing. Like it's, it's not there. And so I, yeah, I'm not saying I, she can't handle it, but it, I think to your point, sorry, I you, you asked me what time no, it is. No, I you. no, no. You, you asked me what time it is. I tell you how to build a watch. Um, <laughs> I'm the same point, way. That's a real concern, though, is, yeah, what is, if I were to talk to Christine, this is what I always do, my thought exercise, the questions I would ask her are what you said is, so why get married now? Why not later? Why, why a relationship now first? Why not later? Just, just, you know, maybe there's a good reason that, and I think the answer would be, well, because I want to. And that's not the worst reason, but there's got to be more than that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. No, and it, I think one of the, and, and I was, am a, a serial monogamist and, and have been for most of my life, <laughs> Uh, as well, and have kind of gone from relationship to relationship. And I, one thing, one gift that my divorce gave me, and I was subsequently in a relationship after that, that was five years, which is a lot when you're in your late 20s and early 30s. Those are like, absolutely, really big changes. And it's enough time to, you know, become a part of each other's families and really enmeshed and and also he was in med school so that was a whole other um dimension to it and uh so one of the things that one of the gifts that divorce and and being single for a, a period of time gave me was that I remembered who I was before I was in either of those relationships yeah. Yeah. And and Robin, my husband, was in a similar position when when we met. I was I was determined that that was the last date I was going to go on, and then I was going to stop dating for a while. And it turned out to be the last first date I ever went on. But it was not. I didn't intend for it to happen that way. But we both met. He was out of a twenty year marriage. He's ten years older than me. Um, had my beautiful stepson, uh, who I didn't meet, you know, for a, an appropriate amount of sure. time, and sure. who who decides what he calls me. He's not told what he calls me. You he know, didn't, he didn't sit him down with a picture and go, "Who's that?" Like, <laughs> oh, just the cold sweat I break into as a stepchild myself. I don't have one, oh. but but I am one. Oh, the, just I love. My mom's husband, he's a wonderful person. He's not my father. I don't need him to be, and I never did. And I'm not saying if that that's wrong to do. I just mean idiosyncratically for me. Right. If that had happened naturally, that would have been great. But he's no less important to me because we didn't have that. And so to watch that be forced is just barfy. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult on kids no matter what age. But But Robin and I... The point that I am finally getting to is that Robin and I came to each other kind of as we were, like kind of at our true essence. Like, do you know what I mean? And and you were, so, can I can I cuss on your podcast? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. You you were both out of fucks. Yeah, we were. Yeah, that's a great place. To, I'm not kidding. People, th the problem with me is when I when I sound like I'm joking, that's when I'm telling the truth. That that's such a great place to be relationally to start a relationship is I'm I'm going to be this is me I'm not saying I won't get better but this is where I'm at and if we're going to do this it's going to have to be worth doing like I'm not going to do it just because I'm afraid to not do it if that makes sense yeah exactly and I so for that reason I worry a lot about I, or I'm, I shouldn't say I'm worried. Of course I'm worried because these are all parasocial relationships for me. But I, I think Fair. a lot 
about the the brown girls, especially, um, you know, who all seem to sort of <sighs> look. If you want to get married, you can you can say it. We all know it. <laughs> yeah, get married okay. young to older men. Yeah, and I I which just isn't think it's really. Bad. No, but I i mean, I got married very young because I didn't know who I was and I really wanted, I was kind of like, oh, I need an identity real fast. Like I need to create that demarcation. Like I love my family. I'm very, my family of origin. I'm very close to them. But I, I was just really, I thought that getting married would give me some kind of like magic out of the box adulthood. Uh, that I was struggling to achieve by other means. Like I wasn't settled in a career. I was still doing my undergraduate degree at that point. Um, and yeah, I just think about, I think about, and it, particularly when like Janelle is talking about Maddie and her husband, whose name I always forget, Caleb. Caleb? And I yeah. want to correct myself. They do not all marry older men. I apologize. Somebody's going to ding me on that as they should. So I will correct myself. That was that was a overgeneralization. But I I think about, but they're still becoming mothers like at the same age that their mothers became mothers. And and I don't know if that's ultimately great. And I I wonder how much the the falling a part of the of the brown original sort of hive has to do with that. Oh like, gosh, did they, I hadn't even thought of that. You know, like were they vulnerable to that because they needed to find, they needed to define themselves by other ways. And certainly for their generation, for like who, the ones that we call the older kids, for their generation, that's extremely difficult economically, socioeconomically, um, I notice as well, and this hasn't escaped the notice of of anyone ever, that Logan and Aspen don't have children Um, as of yet. I mean, Lord knows they have plenty of time. Um, But I think think so much of what happens after leaving that family is sort of defined by or motivated this desire to to escape it and maybe christine is just in that camp i mean maybe christine is doing what not what mckelty did because i and i'll come out and say it i'm not a i'm not a fan of mckelty i'm not a fan of tony um i think there's something going on there that isn't quite right um, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I just, I just mean the way that Chris, the way that McKelty talks to her mother, I think is really wrong. There's a mean spiritedness. There's a nastiness to it. Yeah. And I talk about this too in my podcast when I talk about the wedding specials, because I was making space for her choices up to a point where I finally kind of lost my patience with it, because I think that in that instance, especially we could talk about this for an entire hour, but McKelty was so wounded by Christine's reaction to her telling her she was going to get married. McKelty wanted 
the same reaction Madison got, and she got the mm-hmm. polar opposite. And you could see McKelty just hurt, trying to coach her mother, like, your little girl's getting married. Like, this is what I need. Mom, this is what I need you to say. And oh, good God, like, as someone who identifies with McKelty when she was younger, not as an adult, but that just like, that, that, please validate, please validate this for me. Yeah. I mean, whether she should have done it or not, she, she had that need and it wasn't met. My point is when Christine got married, you can see McKelty has been carrying that baggage and she is letting it out passive aggressively inappropriate, I'm sorry, inappropriately mm-hmm. the entire time. And now you can't control what you feel. You can only try to control what you do. So I don't right. begrudge McKelty's pain or her negative feelings. I do begrudge the way she chose to air them out in that setting. And so, yeah, I do feel like I think you make a really great point in that if it's it's kind of like Christine, right? Is well, I'm a person from a family. And if my family has fallen apart, I need to have a family because that's I'm I'm the person with the family. You know what I mean? And so yep. and I think too, I think with their culture, there's this push to mature before you're ready, especially for young women to have children. Yes. Potentially before yeah. you're ready. I I, I want to be careful just because, you know, as a man talking about this, I try to be very careful how I talk about women's choices, right? When Or what they do with their bodies. But, you know, you look at it, so many women in that culture have come out and going like, yeah, I was pushed to have kids too soon. I was pushed to have too many kids. It, just forget about it. Like it's, it's out there. This isn't, I'm not pulling this out of nowhere. And so that rush to, because you're so restricted and you can't dip a toe into maturity. You're either a child or you're an adult and how do you unlock adulthood? Will you get married? Then you can have sex. Then you can all these, do all these things that right. a lot of other people get to steadily, hopefully, with consent, ease themselves into as they become ready. That's, that's your hope for, pe- for my hope for people with those experiences, I guess I'm trying to say. And so I, that's I, not really possible. I think purity culture oh, good God. is yeah. responsible, which is another thing I could talk about for hours, but it's, I think that's another um, social pressure that they, that they have to live with. And it's really, it's really interesting to me. I had a classmate, a high school classmate who, uh, very beautiful, very talented, incredibly bright and smart and lovely as so many Mormons are. And she went to, she went to Stanford and she got married when she was 19 and she has, I don't know how many kids now. I think she's probably five or six kids deep. And every day I think, like I've heard people say, say things like, oh, what was the point of going to Stanford if you're just going to be a mom, if you're just going to be a mom? And I thought, God, in, but in that culture, and again, forgive me for speaking out of turn, LDS listeners, but in cultures that place a lot of pressure on young women to, to marry and become mothers early, where you go to college, what you study, if you go to college is likely the only choice that you're yeah. ever going to make for yourself. Yeah. Um, and probably the the last choice that you make for yourself that, you know, isn't centering your husband or, or your children. And I think that's got to be incredibly difficult. I would have loved for Christine 
to and and I know there's a limit to what she can do because she has truly so you know she couldn't move to a completely different city with no support and she could you know she has to be kind of careful in that way. They have but... to do fifty fifty time, yeah, obviously. <laughs> the made up fifty fifty time. I just I would have loved to see her like have a travel companion that wasn't a love interest where she could yeah. just experience something else. Where's her Jen is what you're saying. Where is your Jen? You know, I didn't, Jen annoyed me. I, I've, I've always said the, the extra ends are for <laughs> J E not necessary <laughs> in this scene. But when she rode for Mary in the talk back, and oh, called I out, out. I flipped out all of that bullshit. I was like, "Wow, Jen, you have not only earned your seat at yeah. the table, you get a free meal too." Because it, holy shit! Did she did not push Mary when Mary nope. said things that Jen clearly didn't think was accurate? She said, "Okay," and kind of contextualized it like she that. And I can't speak to the totality of Jen as a person. Anybody listening to this probably knows more about Jen than I do, <laughs> but. And I mean, that is a compliment to everyone else. But in that moment, that was such a masterclass in being gently supportive and gently constructive on things that maybe weren't entirely accurate. And really, I, I was impressed. Yeah, with that. I can't speak to anything else. But. That's being a good friend. I mean, I I can't even be that kind of friend. I try really hard. But the if I'm less invested in the person, like I've... My best friend from childhood has made many choices that, and she won't listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> but the charitable way of saying it would be that I, I haven't agreed with her trajectory. Um, yeah. And, and I had to learn the hard way that when you, when you, Basically, when you when you come from your intention doesn't matter if the other person experiences it as shaming and judgment. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter that you care. You can't do that to people and still expect to to be in their lives. And she is still in my life, fortunately. But I I don't react to some of the things that I used to react to. You know what I mean? Um, I've learned to kind of like if she was ever hurt or if her kids were ever in danger, I think I would I would have to take a pretty hard line. But apart from that, I I'm aware that, you know, if if she stops sharing with me, it undermines everything that I'm trying to do, ultimately, which is to be there for her and her kids. Sure. Yeah, I, I do. I don't know. It's one of the, it's like I said, if Christine and David live happily ever after, then it was a brilliant move. Congratulations. If they don't, and if they don't, you know what, you know what, no, I'm, I'm going to push back on myself here. Even if it's a temporally limited relationship, maybe Christine is just going to get a whole bunch out of this relationship and go, you know what, I'm worthy of being loved. You know what, I, this man was hardcore horned up for me, which was great. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, she deserves that. I know I'm being silly, but no, she deserves she, that. She absolutely does. And not not to again, not to go mining too far into into my own past, but I was 
I am convinced that um, the universe or the God of my understanding put this man in my path uh, not long after I had separated from my first husband, who was there for a good time, not a long time. He was about to do a PhD program at Stanford, weirdly enough, but was an American living in London. And he was so open-hearted and honest and loving. And, and I didn't, we wouldn't have worked out in the long term, but he showed me a very good time in multiple ways. And he gave me the confidence that I needed to feel newly reassured in myself and who I was as a woman and all of these things that I had been. And not that, you know, not that anybody needs validation for a man, but in that area, I do think you kind of need what we used to call in high school, a boy hug. If you're a heterosexual gal um, or a homosexual guy or non-binary person or whoever, like you need that kind of affirmation when you've been told that you're unattractive and you find someone who celebrates your body that's transformative yeah yeah and not everybody wants that but if you do there's no shame in it i guess is the point right yeah that, that kind of thing isn't a part of your life great but for a lot of people especially if you've been made to feel like you have less or no worth in that regard or any other regard being desired physically, like that's not a crime. That's that's not wrong. That's not vain. Wanting that, like that's that's completely okay, completely natural. Just like it's completely natural, like some people don't feel this way, and that's okay too. But a lot of people want to like looking at the person that they're with. That's not a crime. It shouldn't be the totality of someone else's value to you by any means. But it's also just fun, you know. And that's okay. There's it's, we're taught women, especially. I don't need to tell you this, but just <laughs> I'm not explaining this to the audience. I'm acknowledging that I know it. And I hope that comes through. Um, but women are made to feel so much shame about their own bodies, about their own empowerment through sexuality. You know, be passively sexualized. Do not ever be sexual. All that stuff, you know. And so it's just perfectly okay to me as an outsider, if what Christine gets out of this is finite, but valuable because we as human beings have, because we're so aware subconsciously of our finite existence, you know what I mean? And I'm getting kind of metaphysical here, but I have a point. Mm -hmm. We become obsessed with permanence, the illusion of permanence. If I'm in love, I will be in love forever. If I Mm -hmm. love my job, I will do this job forever. If I have this hobby, it will be my hobby. If you are my best friend, you will be my BFF. You will be my best friend forever. And if not, I have failed. If I do not, my body or my face doesn't look this way forever, I failed. If my marriage doesn't last forever, I failed. And none of that's true. None of that's, that's true. right. And I think that's, I think that's why um, Cody and Robine <laughs> Sorry, have, have so... <laughs> I think that's why they struggle so much with the dissolution of the family. I I firmly refute and rebuke the argument 
that this is what they wanted. They wanted this to happen. Oh, no, these not are, at all. Yeah, I don't think so. These, these are two people who are more uh, black and white in their thinking and averse to nuance and averse to uncertainty. And I think the reason why Cody pushes this, and I, I'm certainly not the pers- first person to say this and won't be the last, Cody's inability to deal with nuance and Rabine's inability to deal with nuance yeah. is uh, like, can you imagine if they were given the X-Files and it was them out exploring, you know, these uncertain outcomes? I think they would just... That it wouldn't make for a very good viewing. I don't think they'd make good investigators. Yeah, um, it's nuance. And I think, honestly, I think it's inability to tolerate inconvenience. Yeah, and a, but a specific kind of inconvenience. Um, an inc- I, I think what they see as inconvenient is the diffuseness of emotions that come up. How can I hate someone that I loved? How can I be so angry at someone who used to make me happy? How can we be angry now when we were happy before? Well, then we, we can't. So then we can't have been happy before. Yeah. All of this reframing that they do is because they, they have this constant equation in their head of, if this, then that. If this is true now, then it can't sure. have been true before. Yeah, but where I I'm really interested in in hearing where you think this dynamic between them is, whether it's headed for a change, whether they're like, how are they going to define themselves? Um, two people who are, and as you've pointed out and, and explored. Um, one person who, uh, and forgive me, because I'm sure this is a trigger word for everybody. <laughs> one person who came to the family cap in hand, in her mind, uh, begged <laughs> to be included, um, went through the process of, of acculturation successfully or otherwise. Um, the two people I think, well, the two people besides Mary who worked the hardest to maintain this facade that we all instinctively knew was crumbling. What, where, where do they go from here? I think I short answer is I don't know. I'm not a predictor. I say this all Mm -hmm. the time. I'm a, I'm good at analyzing what I see. I'm very bad at predicting what will happen as things go forward they will have to find new identities. My biggest concern is if the show ever ends, who is Cody Brown going to be without this show? The show is Cody Brown. He's Cody Brown, the guy with the TV show. He used to be Cody Brown, the guy with the wives. He doesn't have that, but at least he still has the TV show as far as I know. It's it's like Ugh. when your kids move out. It's like when you change jobs. It's like when you move to a different country, you have to go, okay, who is... Who is Michelle now? Who is Adam now? Who is Cody now? Who do I want to be and who can I be with the resources available to me? You either do that, you either expand or you contract, right? Your world either becomes bigger and different or becomes smaller, harsher, and more negative. And you see that with, we were talking about this off 
recording, but you see that with online culture where you will see the people whose worlds have become so small that any change is intolerable. Like I cannot tolerate any further change because I have not reacted to the loss of the world as I knew it by embracing something different. And, and I understand that I'm not even necessarily passing judgment. Like I get that. Like I said, I, I get upset when they, when they change the graphics on pop tarts, I'm not even kidding, but I do understand that that change is inevitable. And so I think they will either find new things to define themselves. My hope, not my expectation, <laughs> is that they will find more richness in what they have and more appreciation for what they have because that's loss. You can become aggressively aggrieved and grief is grief is healthy and inevitable. But you can become angry and turn inward with your loss, or you can become, you can discover a greater depth of appreciation for what remains. And those aren't mutually exclusive, but you can choose to focus, if that makes sense. So it was, and you've seen, you've seen this, all of us have seen this, Cody is contracting. He's becoming angrier and angrier and more aggrieved until like the very end where I think he got a PR firm and said, good for her. I hope they have a great life. We'll see if that lasts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think they might have just caught him on a good day, to be honest. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I just have a good brain day. And if you sat me down, I would be great about everything. Whereas the next day I, I wouldn't have been. I don't know. I think but, they said yeah. to him, look, you need antidepressants. You needed them yesterday. Um, You can't play this whole show w- with the one note. It's, it's not going to work. And it's going to come across as as pretty awful i wanted but if I, what it was too what i will say to that to your point is i don't think i have never seen personally growth and expansion come from uh a place where and and look we all go through seasons of our lives and you have to have the winter to get to the spring or or whatever it is they say you know i'm i'm in kind of a, a dormant kind of withdrawn stage of my life right now um but that's that's what grief does that's what change does that's what you can react to it however you need it it becomes infinitely harder when you experience the the world as something that happens to you rather than something that you have some agency in. Right. And these two, everything happens to them. Right. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah. Cody's all about external, external solutions and external problems. The, the nerve that he has (laughs) to say that it's, anyone's responsibility but his own to to maintain a relationship (laughs) with his adult children is just wild um i'm mindful of of time and battery we started a little late so we've run over but i will not be forgiven if i don't do the insider inside the actor's studio uh questions for you because i do this uh for all of our guests Uh, what is your favorite word? Garden. What is your least favorite word? <laughs> I've broken his brain. <laughs> no, it's so funny because like as a communication person, right? Words that 
are only used to degrade other humans. I guess, mm. I don't know if there's a single one because I, I could just probably get a couple subscribers if I just said moist. I I was gonna say um, anything to do with cake. You're not gonna get me to hate on that. Um, <laughs> I, I, um I, can I come back? Can I come back? Yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely. Answer, yeah. Uh, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Being healed or healing others. Aww. What turns you off? Selfishness in myself or others. What is your favorite curse word? Oh, fuck. Easily. Yeah. That's, that's the joke. <laughs> you can do it. Good, bad. The great, the best, and worst parts of life. It just everything, you know. It's, it's beautiful. What sound or noise do you love? My kids laughing. Yeah, those eyes. That question inevitably makes me cry. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Um, what sound or noise do I hate? What sound or noise do I hate? I don't like my own voice, uh, but that's probably, I don't hate it. Um, I don't, I don't like when my kids cry when mm. out of sadness, you know, if, if they're hurt, I can understand that. But when they have emotional pain then that's just, I, I find that really hard to handle. Yeah, I can relate to that. What profession, this is an interesting question for you. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Would I like to attempt? Yeah. I'm kind of doing it. You don't it, have to do it. I'm, kind of, I'm <laughs> yeah? kind of doing it. Podcasting, I always wanted to do that. Um, I don't know if you could call it my profession, but it's, could, who knows? I don't want to be get too big for my britches or anything. I've always wanted to be a zookeeper. I, I relate to that so hard. I, outside in the fresh air, like engaging yep. with nature in a way that is education. It's all my favorite things. It's being outdoors. It's animals. It's educating people. It's giving positive experiences to children, oftentimes for free. Like, I, I just, yeah. And I know people have issues with zoos, for some for very good reasons. So I apologize if that, you know, irks people. But if, if you wave away any problematic aspects of that, especially, yeah, then just no contest. That was my dream as a kid, too. Uh, what profession would you not like to do or go back to doing? Um, so when I was in community college, I had a job working for a uniform fact where we would launder uniforms. And if you, if y'all are squeamish, fast forward 30 seconds, cause this is what I did to put myself through college for a couple of years. I would get big bags of aprons, soiled aprons with like food stuff. Mm -hmm. There would inevitably be, uh, shall we say larva of insects and everything. Uh, and I would sort through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bags of those to be cleaned for six uh, to six to 10 hours at a time. Listening to my Walkman, listening to Fuel's album, something like human, which if, <laughs> if you know, you know, and I cannot separate. I cannot listen to that music now because I'll, I'll puke, but you know, you do what you gotta do. Nobody can say I didn't like, and here's, let me be very clear. No one should have to, Education should be accessible to anyone who wants it, but that's not what I'm saying. But no one can tell me I did not earn my education. Let me put it that way. You shouldn't have to earn it 
but I, I did, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So how about apron? That's my least favorite word, apron. <laughs> okay, perfect. Understood. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear the God of your understanding say when you arrive? Oh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if I can get it out. Um, that, oh, <laughs> uh, your grandmother's here and she's very proud of you. Yeah, sorry, I didn't expect that. Uh, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, my um, think <clears throat> my my grandma was my biggest fan, and my my mom always believed in me. She always did, but really, like I didn't graduate from high school. Nobody expected me to really amount to anything, except for my mother and my grandmother. And my grandmother passed away before I finished college and didn't get to meet my grandkids. And I just I struggle with that. That's all. That's so. That's that's it. Sorry. Silly. Uh, no, don't apologize. Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to find a way to make your feelings about me really. That's the only <laughs> But it's pretty inconvenient, you know. As you should. So... <laughs> as you should. This is your podcast. <laughs> no. Like, get it together, really... you stupid baby. Like what's wrong with you? <laughs> No, can I tell you, I they, never used to cry. I've always been very overly emotional, but just the physiological reaction of crying. And weirdly, I hit 30. I don't know if it was just a physiological change in my body, but I just, all I would never, ever cry. Like, we would watch sad movies in grade school, and people would be crying, and I would just be like, I am sad, but I'm not doing that. And then I turned 30, and I was watching, like, a Hallmark commercial, just bawling. I don't know what it is. And I think it's good. I think it's healthier for me, frankly, to have that reaction. Yeah, for me it was thirty four. Yeah, um, and i I hate to tying it. I hate to tie it to becoming a parent, but that that oh, really no, was course, a huge part of it. I mean, like yeah. I <sighs> that was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's something i i I feel so lucky. I. I had a grandmother like that too. See, I I can make it about me. Um, but I, yeah, I heavily relate to that. And I think a big part of the reason why I don't want to have any more children is because my, um, my stepson was able to have this beautiful relationship with my dad. Um, and he's at an age where he can remember it. And I, I'm just... Yeah. Yeah, you know. But. Yeah, my mom lives with us, which is wonderful. It's wonderful that she does that. It's wonderful that that works because that would not be healthy. Yeah. Wow, situation. that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's got her own space, and we we've made it work. But like my youngest have never known a day without her. Like, and I'm so glad. And you know, she's just as much of a part of their day. Well. Okay, not as much, but as much of a part of the day as like their siblings are. You know, they, they're just, just part of her life. They they can't comprehend not having her around. And so we're lucky, again, that that's a healthy dynamic. Uh, it wouldn't be with like my dad. <laughs> Forget about it. I 
Yeah, no, thank you. I'd, but I'd rather go back to sorting soiled aprons than that. But yeah, oh boy, it's a good situation. Well, um, there is one more question I want to ask you. I sure. love "Would You Rather" as an exercise. Um, Me too. I guess it comes from you know being so uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> I like to inflict discomfort, uh, and Robin hates it when I do this. Uh, so a sister wives, would you rather, would you rather, good God. Okay. (laughs) No, I'm fine. Whatever. What else can you do to me? Go for it. Why not? Sure. Would you you rather do what else do you want to do to me? (laughs) You want to see some yearbook photos and dunk on them? Let's go. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. You have to go on, you either have to go on a Manosphere retreat. No, no. Okay. And no, the weekend, ahead. and it's 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 just a weekend, but you do have to share a tent with Cody that you need to build together. And you're not allowed to help him at any stage. You have to just stay quiet while he you're gets the increasingly worst frustrated. I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Or <laughs> or you have to go to <laughs> you have to take Robine to the planetarium um just like we did when we were kids. And you have to try and and the lecture is at, you know, let's say an eighth grade uh, comprehension level. So you have to attend the lecture with her. Um, and then afterwards, you have to go to Hobby Lobby with her and have her explain what she learned. Um, and you're not allowed to interrupt or correct her while she is also working through a shopping list and constantly getting distracted by things that are on sale and stuff that she needs to buy. She she will also say things like, Oh, I ordered that from QVC, but I haven't opened it. But the I I meant to return the other one, so I need to buy this one. The only time that you're allowed to talk is when uh, she asks you how something works, like if it's a ninja or a neutral bullet or or something. You can Who explain to you? her how that. Who works. hurt you that you're doing this? Are you okay? I'm worried about you. Who could come up with this? What kind of Lex Luthor shit is this? Like, this is like, this, is this like Saw? Am I in goddamn Saw right now? Like, that's what this feels like. I'm Carrie Elwes about to cut my goddamn leg off. Like, this is horrific. <laughs> Number two, easily. Number two. I would take, instead of going on a Manosphere retreat with Cody, I would take Robin on a six-month study abroad to Mexico City and have to translate everything for her. I would have to hear her pronounce it Mexico because you know she would. I would do I anything. 
I would, and, and the entire time I have to periodically, like every hour on the hour, smack myself on the head with a hammer rather than go on a Manosphere <laughs> retreat with Cody Brown. I, if you said go on a Manosphere retreat with Cody Brown or get hit by a car right now, I'd be like, Jesus, take the wheel. Beat me up, Mr. Fancy Man, with your nice vehicle because I can't do it. Okay. I, I hate being on this podcast. I wish I had never done this. I'm <laughs> I will never do this again. I might quit podcasting. I'm so I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This was fun. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nobody be upset. Five star reviews only or else I'm going to take it personally. Be nice. to <sighs> Be nice to everyone. Okay. I'm sorry. I put that image in everyone's head, except I I'm not sorry am... because there is, <laughs> there is a sort of, I, I think I got to make I... new friends. I have got to make new <laughs> friends. That's what I've learned from this experience. <laughs> I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to hug my mom. I'm going to plant a tree and I'm not going to podcast anymore because this is not, this is not great. Yep. Just touch grass. I mean, for, for me, I, I come by it honestly. I've been living in England for about 15 years now and That's all of no the humor, you're so harsh. You're right? All of the humor here is based on creating discomfort yeah. in, in social situations. Well, then which... I am hilarious. <laughs> Oh my! This was word. so fun. Can we do this every week? I'm not kidding. I I was being facetious when I was complaining. This was so fun. Thank you. I had the time of my life, and there will definitely be a part two if I have anything to say about it. And I'm more than happy to send you a, a "Would You Rather" every week. <laughs> I love that. I cannot wait to market a spam. It will be the pleasure of. <laughs> my life and i hope to maybe collaborate too with as i in in my head canon as i call him robin senior um that's what i call, <laughs> I call him robin senior and robin brown robin jr i don't know oh yes yeah robin is gutted that he couldn't make it today really and truly but he's just... he won't be <laughs> <laughs> no because he has to deal he has to deal with me the would you rathers for Robin, I barely get through because we'll be in the car and I'll be like, what if you, would you rather have a penis that doubled as a periscope so you could like scope out the traffic way ahead? And he's like, nope, stop right there. He's like surreptitiously uh, putting his earbuds in without your nose. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's like, can we just have a blanket rule that none of these can be about my penis being... <laughs> having a dual function of something else i'm like no that's not how it goes if, but if he... anything i guess I'd, I admire your restraint with what you asked me so <laughs> well no we're friends but i i would never i would never show you the flagrant level of disrespect i show my husband <laughs> the love of my life <laughs> but that's it's because i grew up with boys uh you know, and that's how we show we love each other. <laughs> All right. I am going to show myself out. Uh, Dr. Adam, tell us where, tell them where to find you if they're not already fans. I don't even know anymore. Who am I? What am I doing? What just happened? To me? No, my <laughs> name. Yes. So my podcast, if it still exists by the time this airs, is called The Sister Wives Professor. I am much calmer. And actually quite, I, so my podcast is, it's kind of like a non, it's a communication analysis and a reaction to sister wives 
and I try to be positive and uplifting and, and try to be fair. I'm critical of the Browns where I feel like it's necessary. And if I don't, I'm not. And I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com slash the sister wives professor, where I do like solo topic deep dive. Like I just did relatively recently a 40 minute plus podcast on like the beginning of Robin entering the Brown family. And I kind of thread in some communication concepts, but it's it's all really accessible. It's not dry. It's it's just meant to kind of actually be kind of fun. And I cover things like Welcome to Plathville, uh, Real Housewives. I just right now am working on an edit on a podcast someone requested where I reviewed something called MILF Manor. So if you think I'm upset oh, now, <laughs> wait until that airs. And so that'll go out on Patreon because the patron who requested it at the top tier very kindly agreed to let everyone hear it. So that'll be fun. So that stuff's available too. But if you just want to hear me talk about Sister Wives every Wednesday, I would be very, very grateful for your time. And I'm really, really grateful that you took the time out of your day to post me on your podcast. This was way fun. And thank you very much to all of your listeners too, who stuck with me through this. I hope they enjoyed it. (laughs) We'll see you soon, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.